Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. In the context of what he's writing, he declares that as important and as necessary as faith is, faith is only a starting point. That's just the beginning for us. We as believers now, we need to get out of that starting gate. We need to get off the starting blocks and move forward. The whistle has blown and the race has begun and you and I are in that race. Peter writes this phrase here. He says, add to your faith. Add to your faith. And as I shared earlier, this adding isn't again this idea of stacking and and building upon. The Bible likens the life of a Christian to a race. In today's message, Pastor David teaches us that the moment we believe in Jesus and His sacrifice on the cross, it is the very moment that the whistle sounds at the starting line and we begin to run. Pastor David admonishes us not to be content to stay at the starting block as baby Christians and wait for Christ to take us home. Instead, we must be diligent to add to our faith by reading the Bible, fellowshipping with other believers, praying, and fulfilling the Great Commission. Now here's Pastor David with part one of his message, Growing in Character, from the book of 2 Peter. Peter writes to the church, He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust." But also for this reason, verse 5, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, Be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The very basis of what we're going to look at today, the very reason, as Peter speaks there in verse 5, are the things that are listed actually up before verse 5. As he goes through these things through 5, 6, and 7, he says, 
For this very reason, you add these things. Well, for what reason? It's what we looked at last week, and we spent a lot of time on it last week, but I want to, again, refresh your memory, draw it in all into the context of what Peter is trying to get across to you and I as believers. He says the fact is, there in in verse 3, that it's God's divine power that's given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And that we understand that he's done this through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And the result of all of that being that we have received these exceedingly great and precious promises. And furthermore, by by virtue of our personal encounter, our personal relationship with Christ, the reality of those promises, as we taste and and see and experience the Lord, we experience what he says there in verse 4. We become partakers of that divine nature. We're able to actually interact with the reality of who God is in our lives. All of this being made possible in Christ, through salvation. You've got to be saved before this stuff starts working in your life. This isn't available for everyone. There are those things that are called common graces that everyone in the entire world are recipients of. Man, the rain, the sunshine, the harvest, the the seasons that come, the common graces of God. But the things that he's speaking here, these exceedingly great and precious promises, they're for the believers. They're for those who have given their heart and life to Jesus Christ, who by the power of the Holy Spirit now are experiencing that truth. We have escaped, as he says there in verse 4, we've escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. This then becomes the motive for what Peter is about to say in verse 5 and following for this very reason. Peter then moves forward with this assumption that we have faith. Understand, he's writing to the church. Second Peter is not an evangelical message. It's a message to believers. And as I look around the congregation this morning, I'm, I'm going to make the grand assumption that most of you are believers, but I'm not so naive to believe that every one of you are believers. I know that there may be some here this morning who never have come to that point of trusting Christ for their salvation. There may be someone here today that you, you've, you've trusted in religion, you've trusted in ceremony, you've trusted in turning over a new leaf, you've trusted in a whole lot of things other than the reality of the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. For you today, the message is, the hope of the message is, give your heart and life to Christ. Give your heart and life to Christ in order that you might know that your sin is forgiven, in order that God might come into your life, in order that you might be a partaker of that divine nature, in order that you might experience all those exceedingly great and precious promises of God. Peter speaks to those who know those things, and he goes on to encourage them in their life. And he says there in verse 5, he says, you need to give all diligence, and in giving all diligence, we are to add to our faith. Well, pastor, I thought it was faith alone in Christ alone, and that's all we needed. Well, that's the opening of the door. That's the beginning of the platform. That's the starting blocks. We enter the race at that point in time, but it's not done at that 
to our faith because we are believers, because we do have our sins forgiven, because we have experienced that divine nature, because these promises are ours. Now, Peter says you need to add to your faith. Peter knows that faith is the foundation of all that is ours in Christ. Just as the writer of Hebrews, in in chapter 11 of Hebrews, as a matter of fact, if you'll take a a bookmark, you can stay there at 2 Peter and flip over to your left uh, just a little bit to to the book of Hebrews. And in chapter 11, the book of Hebrews, faith being the very basis, the very origin of all of our life, as believers. In Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews tells us, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. But he goes on to say that for by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were not framed by the word or were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. It's the work of God. We have faith in that. I, I look around the room and none of us were there at that time, were we? None of us. Uh, the most senior among us was not there. By faith, we understand. No, God did that. God did that by the speaking of his word and created all that is. Not forming and fashioning something that was already there. No, he spoke into being those things that were not and made them and brought them together. That kind of faith is both part of our saving faith, but it's also the faith of our lifelong walk in Christ. This faith, it's that, that, that strong hope, it's that confidence in who God is, who God declares himself to be, that we believe that. We have to take that by faith. That's what you and I as believers have to take. We have faith in the unseen, don't we? We have, we have faith in something that we can't reach out and grasp, and that's why it's so hard for some people, because God is a spirit, and they that worship him have to worship him in spirit. By faith, then, we entrust our, our plans and our futures. By, by faith, we trust our careers and our fortunes. By faith, we trust our lives and our families into the hand of God. By faith, we, our lives, all that we are, we give again into his great and into his mighty hands. Writer of Hebrews continues on down in verse 6. As a matter of fact, he says that without faith, it's really hard to please God. Is that what it says, church? No. Without faith, it is impossible. It's impossible to please God. For you and I in our life, unless we are walking a life of faith, there's no way that God is going to be pleased in our life. If I have to have absolute hardcore evidence of everything that I do for the kingdom, of everything that I believe that God is calling me to do, well, God, if you want me to do that, then I need this, 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 and this, and this done. Oh, and on top of that, I need to make sure that this is done also. God says, no, that's not a walk of faith. That's the walk of the world. God says, the word here in Hebrew says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
I've got to know that God is going to be blessed and he's going to reward in my life the fact that I'm diligently seeking him in every aspect of my life. That's foundational. That is the thing within our life that has that everything else needs to be built upon. Faith is the foundation of the testimony of our lives, just like it was the testimony of the saints of old. We need to have faith in order to be able to stand among all the mockers and all those that would come and attack the reality and the truth of God's word, the reality and the truth of the very existence of God, the reality and the truth of what he's done in our life. We need to have faith to be able to stand and to declare that, you know what? I believe. I believe what the word of God says. I believe what he's done in my life. I believe these promises that are mine, even to the point that you and I become fools in the eyes of the world. You know what? The unfortunate thing, there's a lot of believers that I don't want to go that far. I don't want to be looked at as a fool in the world. I'm looking to have some kind of standing, some kind of status in the world. But you know what? You will never have a complete walk of faith if you're more concerned about what the world thinks about you than what God thinks about you. We look at the lives of the patriarchs. You got to realize that in the world's eyes, these, these men, these, these women, they did some pretty crazy, goofy things. I mean, the, the fact is, it was absolutely insane. Here you've got a 500-year-old man, and he decides, you know what? I'm going to build a boat. I'm going to build a huge boat. And people coming by day after day as Noah is building this boat. Noah, what are you doing? I'm building a boat or I'm building an ark. What are you doing that for, Noah? Because God told me to do this. Because God said he's going to bring judgment on all the world because of our wickedness. <laughs> right, and they move on down the line. If that were to happen once, we could get over that, couldn't we? You've got to realize, though, for 120 years, Noah building and working on that ark. Hey, come on, guys. Hey, what are you doing, Noah? <laughs> I'm building an ark. Why are you building an ark, Noah? <sighs> because God told me to build the ark. Because God is going to bring judgment. How long do you do that before you start doubting? How long do you continue to do what God has called you to do and he hasn't quite completed it yet until you start doubting? Let's get real here. We want to believe. We want to have faith. We want to have that assurance that God is doing what he said he would do. I can imagine that day after day, season after season, year after year, the mocking and the scorn that Noah took upon himself. Why? Because he believed God. And he'd rather look foolish in the eyes of the world than be a fool in relationship to God. Who would dream that a man settled down in the land of his ancestors? Pretty well, life is working out probably fine for him. And then at 75 years of age, and some of you who are seniors here this morning, think of this, at 75 years of age, 
God comes to you and he doesn't say, I want to take you a trip. He says, no, I am moving you. I'm moving you to a totally new place. Oh, and by the way, it's a place that you've never seen before. You're going to trust God with that? Well, let me go visit it first. Let me get on the internet, find out what the weather's like in the summer there. Let me find out what, what, what this is all about. But that's not how it was. Abraham allowed God to take him to a land that he had never known, that he'd never seen before. And Abraham believed God when God says, I'm going to take you into this land and I'm going to bless you. You're going to become the father of nations. And as a matter of fact, all nations are going to be blessed because of you. Okay, God, but does it have to be that far away? Because what happens if it doesn't work out? I want to be able to come back. I need a a fallback plan. A lot of times we as believers, we're willing to follow God as long as we have plan two in our pocket. As long as, I, as, long as, I, as long as I, I have the escape clause in there. But for Abraham, there was no escape clause. I'm taking you to a whole new land, a whole different land. I'm going to do something totally different with you. And on and on, the list would go of those men and those women who, again, despite all the odds, despite public opinion, they had great faith in God, and it changed their lives, and often it changed the lives of those that were around them. The lives of their family, the lives of their community, the lives of the nation that they were a part of. It was by faith that, that Joseph, again, bore that, the, the mistreatments of his brothers. He bore slavery. He bore false accusations. He bore imprisonment within his life. All of this because he had faith that his life was in the hands of God and that God was going to work and do his good pleasure in the midst of all of that, that God was working a more complete plan than any man could see with his eye at the current time. Maybe that's what God is doing in your life right now. You can't see the end of it. You have no clue. But do you trust God in the middle of that? That's what faith is. The evidence of things not seen. The substance of those things that are hoped for. God, I believe you. This is a hard time I'm going through right now. But I believe you by faith. Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater than all the riches and the treasures of Egypt. By faith, Gideon stood against an enemy that was so much more numerous than his own troops, and he believed God for his deliverance. Can you imagine those on the outside looking at Gideon? Are you kidding me, Gideon? 300 men? Do you realize how big their army is, and you're going at that with 300 men? What has gotten into you, Gideon? This is what God called me to do. God has called me to do this. And I dare not do anything else. And I trust him for the outcome. And God delivered Gideon. God delivered Israel, the nation, because of the faithfulness of that one man to do something absolutely crazy. Absolutely insane, absolutely out of the norm, out of understanding in man's eyes. By faith, a young shepherd boy 
with no greater physical weapon than a, than a slingshot and a couple of stones, goes up against a giant, a giant that's armed with sword and spear and javelin. And it was because that young man, David, knew by faith that the Lord of hosts, the very God of the armies of Israel, was going to deliver not only the head of that giant, but also the armies of the Philistines into his hands. Are you kidding me? You're so ill-equipped. You're so unprepared. You don't have everything that, uh, thinking of Saul, you don't have everything that is required of a soldier. Maybe God is calling you into something in your life that the world says, "You're, you're not equipped for that. You're not empowered for that. But beloved, if God is calling you, God can equip you and empower you and work through you in a supernatural way. But we've got to be willing to walk in faith. If the only way I'm going to do this is by calculating all the odds, you'll never see the supernatural work in your life. You'll never see all that God really desires to work and do in your life. You've got to be willing to step in faith, believing that he is a rewarder, rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Peter walked on the water. And yeah, I know we give Peter a big razz because he took his eyes off the Lord and he went down under eventually. But you've got to remember, Peter is the only one that got out of that boat. He's the only one. All of his friends, I can just imagine, yeah, right, Peter, go ahead. Hey, guys, watch this. This is going to be great. Peter is stepping out of the boat. He's going to... Wow. He's walking on water. I wish I would have been the first one to step out of the boat now. You've got to understand that, yeah, Peter took his eyes off the Lord eventually and went down, but God saved him even in that. But Peter is the only one, only one ever outside of Jesus, the only one ever who's walked on water. Why? Because he believed God. He believed the promises of God. And when Jesus says, come on out, Peter, the water's great. Peter took that step of faith. Paul by faith, stood and preached before kings and princes. By faith, your brothers and sisters, through the years, they've stood through persecution, through trials, through imprisonments. They've suffered the loss of finances, the loss of homes, the loss of families, the loss of health, and even life. Why? Because they believe God over the claims of the world. And in the context of what Peter is writing, back here in Second Peter again, in the context of what he's writing, he declares that as important and as necessary as faith is, faith is only a starting point. That's just the beginning for us. We as believers now, we need to get out of that starting gate. We need to get off the starting blocks and move forward. The whistle has blown and the race has begun and you and I are in that race. Peter writes this phrase here. He says, add to your faith. Add to your faith. And as I shared earlier, this adding isn't, again, this idea of stacking and and building upon As a matter of fact, the Greek word that's translated add in our English version, 
The Greek word actually is, is a word that originally meant a chorus or choreography or to choreograph a drama or a play or a musical thing. We're so delighted you were able to join us for today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David Landry has been taking us verse by verse through the book of 2 Peter. If today's message has sparked your interest and you want to hear more, we invite you to visit theopenword.com to find teachings throughout Scripture from Pastor David. Another great way to hear each new teaching as it's made available is to subscribe to The Open Word podcast on iTunes. You'll never miss a teaching and you'll have it available to you no matter where you go you'll find a link at theopenword.com. The Open Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, and here to bring you a personal invitation to join us is Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. You know, I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Word of God. We meet every Sunday at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock in the morning, as well as Wednesday evening and Saturday evening at 6.30. You can find our address and directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church page. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you. Thank you, Pastor David. If you're in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, be sure to drop in soon to experience a service with our group of imperfect but redeemed believers. Once again, you'll find service times and directions along with more information about us when you visit theopenword.com. That's all we have time for today. But be sure to join us again for more insights into the book of 2 Peter right here on The Open Word. Make us more.